Welcome to A Higher Branch, a source of practical and powerful information for busy people dedicated to boosting their personal health and professional performance. I'm your host, Sam McCall. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of A Higher Branch and what an episode this is going to be. Now, at A Higher Branch, we believe that spirituality has a big impact on our health. And that's why, for those of you who have attended our Upgrade Your Life events and have read my books, you'll know one of the energies on the tree of health is our spiritual energy. Now, we all understand the physical, but science tells us that mental energy is 64 times more powerful than the physical. And our emotional frequency is 5,000 times more powerful than our mental, meaning emotional. So if you've ever suffered from anger or hatred or anxiety you can't easily talk yourself out of it right so we're no match for our emotions which leads me to the fourth layer and that's where we vibrate at the highest frequency and that is our spirituality now science can't measure that frequency because they say it's infinite but look to some spirituality relates to meditation and manifestation to others it ties closely to religion and faith and honestly there is no right or wrong So if we think of spirituality as a sense of connection to something bigger than ourselves, it opens up the idea for a whole new way of communication. And today we are joined by internationally acclaimed and highly respected psychic, clairvoyant, medium and psychometry expert, Debbie Malone. So Debbie is going to delve into this topic and give us an insight into her world. Now for over 28 years, Debbie has completed some amazing work with assisting police across Australia to bring new light on unsolved murder investigations and missing person cases. Debbie has also been voted twice as Psychic of the Year in New South Wales. Debbie's gift allows her to receive visions from both the living and the dead, from the past, present and future, and to convey messages to bereaved families from their departed loved ones. So in this interview, Debbie and I are going to talk through the topics of connection between psychic readings and our well-being, the role psychic readings play on manifestation, grief, and healing, and the different types of psychic gifts we all have within ourselves and how to get in touch with them. So on that note, Debbie, welcome to A High Branch. Hi, Sam, and it's great to be here today. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. I've got to kick this off with uh, a couple of facts, if you like, from my past. One, as a little boy, I grew up in the base of Mount Lebanon, and there was one ritual my grandmother used to do every morning with the ladies in town is they'd get together and have their morning coffee, and then at the end of that, put their coffee upside down and wait for the coffee to crystallize and dry on the side of the cup. And then after a few minutes of chitty chat, they turn it around and read each other's coffee cup. I didn't know what to make of it. I was a little boy at that time, but they would talk about the future. Fast forward 40 years, I went to Vegas with my son, Chris, and my auntie lives in Vegas. And lo and behold, she was doing the same thing. And I said, oh, would you like to read Chris's cup? And she didn't know anything about Chris. I hadn't seen my auntie for many years. And she proceeded to tell him everything about his girlfriend, her background, how she was one of three sisters, how her parents were divorced. He turned completely pale and he said, have you told her or any of this stuff? I said, I promise I've told her nothing. 
In fact, they didn't even know we were going to visit. Anyway, that's been my experience with the psychic world in the sense that I think in Australia, they view it as something that's really out there. But I grew up in a culture where there were psychics everywhere. And in fact, a few years ago, I remember driving through an intersection and I had my wife and daughter in the back seat. And I get to an intersection where it was my right of way. So it was green light and it was red light for the other intersection. I slowed down and I stopped. And my wife, at the same time as she was saying, why did you slow down? A car went through a red light and we both looked at each other and went, whoa. And she said, why did you slow down? I said, I don't know. I just got this feeling. I couldn't even describe what it was. So (laughs) on that note, Debbie, what can you tell us? I think all of us are born psychic, but some of us will hone into those skills more than others. Everybody can relate to saying they have a gut feeling, which is like what you had, or you might get an inner knowing. I do believe we have our own inner guidance, but we have guidance from above, from loved ones that have passed over and people believe in the spirit guides and guardian angels. And I feel that there's signs and symbols that surround us everywhere in everyday life. I know myself, I was a big sceptic. I never really wanted to be a psychic at all. I'd never have a reading, but I've now had seven near-death experiences and through the near-death experiences, it's opened me up to this other invisible world that coexists amongst us. So it's been a very interesting journey from being the total sceptic to suddenly being thrown into being a psychic medium and seeing dead people on a daily basis. Wow. And that's led you into a role of contribution to our society by helping the police and helping people get over grief. I'd really love to know a little bit more about your journey. I think it would be really important for our listeners to know exactly what you went through. Okay. At the age of three, I had bronchial pneumonia and almost passed away. Then at 13, I had my appendix out and I had a very near-death experience then and my heart stopped. And from that point onwards in my teens, I started to feel like I was a bit different. I didn't understand why, but I was always quite frightened of death when I was younger. And then around about 18, 19, the top of my hair started to go white. So I have a white spot there. And I thought that was a bit strange. Didn't think anything of it. And then I started to feel that I could be psychic. Didn't want to know about it. I studied to be a graphic designer. And that's what I worked in. Worked for ACP and did my apprenticeship there when I was younger. And then in my late 20s, early 30s, then everything started to unfold. I was told I wouldn't be able to have any children, but I had my first son. Then my trying to conceive my second child, I did conceive and I had a miscarriage. And then I started seeing the backpacker murders. So it went from there and suddenly feeling like a normal housewife and a mother of one child. And then I started to have visions of what was happening with the case. And at the time I used to dream about it and see it, but because it was pretty flooded on the television and in the media, I thought I was just watching too much television. But then I started to see things before they happened and before bodies were found, I would see locations or see that there was other faces and other people that were going to be part of the case. I tried everything I possibly could to shut it down because it frightened me and I didn't want to know about it. But in the journey of shutting it down, it actually opened it up for good. So now, hence I do what I do. Wow. And you've published four books, Never Alone, Clues from Beyond, Awaken Your Psychic Abilities and the last one's always with you that's right yes and before we go on where can people get these books do you have a website just before yes i have a website yes that's debbie malone psychic medium.com 
and they're also available through um, most good bookstores. So what's the connection between psychic readings and individuals' well-being? Because some people might be sitting there saying, I'm not interested in this area, but yes. a lot of people are interested in their well-being. So it's an area that they can't dismiss. Yeah, definitely. I think sometimes they'll come for guidance or when I tune in and it, it has changed a little bit through COVID, but I would normally do what's called psychometry. So I would hold a piece of jewellery and through holding that, I can feel things in my body. So say somebody is having tummy issues, I might say, look, are you feeling a bit uncomfortable in the tummy? Has there been any problems? I would say to someone that, yes, I think you should go and get checked out by the doctor. It's not all about the health side. It's more the mental health and the spiritual side as well. Sometimes it might be people are having recurring dreams or they're seeing symbology or they might feel their house is haunted or they've lost a loved one and they keep dreaming about that loved one or they want to know they're okay. And I think, too, when we have a lot of stress and anxiety or even trauma around us, that can actually open our psychic abilities even more. So, you know, hence when, especially when we lose somebody, we start to um, feel them around us or maybe we, when we're missing them, we want to know they're okay. So sometimes people come because of that. But I honestly believe we are all born psychic, but some people have more abilities than others. Like we would all say that we go with our gut feeling or we have that sense of um, thinking about someone and then you run into them up the street or they might call you on the phone. Yes. You, know, you wake up at uh, 3.30 or 11.11 or 2.22 or number of sequences on number plates so we can have that kind of thing. We have what's called psychic clairs. So there's clairvoyance, which is clear seeing, so third eye. So we, we can see through our third eye, but we can also see the symbology, like symbols around us. So we can do it through dream state as well. So we can get messages that way we can have what's called clairaudience and this is a bit of a fine line with that because people when they hear voices they think have they got mental illness or are they schizophrenic because even when i was researching for my book awakening psychic abilities if you say you can hear voices people say oh okay there's something wrong with you but a lot of the time it can be our inner guidance or it could be our spirit guides guardian angels or loved ones guiding us it's like the feeling that you had when you're in the car that something didn't feel right you, you didn't know what it was but you felt no i shouldn't proceed because doesn't feel right and thank goodness she did that because that's what saved you so we do have these occurrences in life where things can happen like that with the clairaudience too it can be an internal voice it can be our own voice guiding us or it can be an external voice where we might hear someone calling our name or saying don't do that or be careful so it can be internal or external then we have clairsentience which is that gut feeling which is what you experience but sometimes we can be around someone and we can be an empath we might be feeling really happy or we're in the queue at the supermarket and the person in front of us is agitated, then you start feeling agitated. And you think, why do I feel like this? I felt happy before. Or you have a friend that rings you and as soon as they ring you, you think, oh, here we go. And you start to get in a bad mood or you feel depressed because you feel that they've taken your energy. And then the other side of it is uh, with the psychometry, it works with clairsentience. We can walk into a place, we can walk into a house or an area and we might feel the residue of that energy or say we buy an antique item or we're given something secondhand or we touch something and it might touch anything oh that feels nice or you might be given something and you think oh that doesn't feel good i've had yes Yes, absolutely i've everything all these examples you've mentioned i've experienced and often when i express it my friends or typically my wife will say oh you've just been too sensitive so i will go into a restaurant for example we'll sit somewhere and i'll say sorry we just need to leave. And my wife doesn't question it anymore. And I remember once we went to Noosa, and I won't state which place we stayed at. In the first night, we were in this hotel or apartment complex, whatever it was. And I couldn't get to sleep, but I was in this dream sequence. So I was half asleep and I could visualize what went on that bed in that room. 
and it was of a psychosexual nature and it just completely freaked me out and i'd wake my wife up and i'd say this place is weird I, i'm feeling stuff and i'm seeing stuff and she's saying no, i just go back to sleep you had too much wine or <laughs> and then i woke her up at 1am and i just said we need to get out of here i don't like this place something went in there whether someone had recorded a pornographic video of someone that wasn't happy there was just negative energy then it completely freaked me out so what you said i've experienced in restaurants i experienced it in an intense way in that hotel room but now that you're talking it's reminding me of these things and i know lots of people have these visions if you like or psychic feelings or what do you call them yeah i think it would be a psychic impression and i find energy whether it's good or bad can actually be imprinted into places like it's imprinted into houses you might go and look at think of buying a new house you walk in and kind of go, oh, no, this doesn't feel like a happy house. And it might have been a divorce settlement, and that's why it's on the market. So you could pick up that energy. I've experienced clients who have bought houses that have had the house previous to them buying it. There was a really bad divorce, and then they ended up getting divorced after they moved in and bought the house because that energy was still there. It's even historical sites like Quarantine Station in Sydney. It's got the remnants of what went on before, and sometimes there'll be hauntings there. And sometimes things can happen as in the time. So say something happened at 12 o'clock or there was a changing of the guard or there was certain things happening. 12 o'clock, that residual energy will happen. Other times you can buy secondhand items or you might be bequeathed to antique piece. And that piece itself can actually bring the person with it who owned it previously. So you always need to check things out pretty well beforehand. So it can be negative energy is there also things that pass on positive energy oh definitely definitely as a hobby i make angel jewelry and i make them from antique coins and mold them from antiques from the late 1800s and it's interesting sometimes i'll hold something and it feels really nice and other times think oh no i don't like that and i've had a um, experience where a client had bought a um, antique locket and she bought an antique belcher chain and they were bought separately but she put them on and she was wearing them but every time she wore it she felt she was being choked so she asked me to hold it. And when I held it and I separated them, so I held the locket and I held the chain, the locket was fine because the locket loved her and she loved it as much as the previous owner, so that was fine. But the chain itself had been bequeathed to a family member, not her family, but she bought it in an antique store. And someone had sold it on and they were supposed to keep it. So every time this woman wore this necklace, it was choking her because it didn't belong on her neck. It should have been who it was left to so spirits can hang around items they tend to be more around metal items they can be around furniture and things i know years ago i bought a secondhand lounge and i didn't check it out very well and it looked all right and we didn't have a lot of money then so put it in the front room and all the kids were saying mummy the smoking man's in there and he's yelling at me and no one would go in the lounge room and no one would sit in this one chair because the smoking man would sit there but none of us smoked and it didn't smell like smoke when i bought it but we couldn't wait to throw it out as soon as the cleanup came it was out on the front Uh, (laughs) I guess children are more in touch with that inner intelligence. As we grow up into adults, there's so many distractions in our life. So we're not really in touch with how we feel. So it's deep in them. We don't process it. I give various keynotes. And in a different context, I say, when you think about it, we have this inner intelligence inside of us because we can take food and turn it into hair cells, skin cells, eye cells. So there's obviously some operating system or intelligence inside of us. And the more I talk to you, the more I think that is somehow 
we're talking about the same thing, I'm guessing. We have this intelligence that can read things, that can feel things. And it's something that we can't ignore. Or if we do ignore it, we can ignore it at our peril. When I say at our peril, it can impact our mental well-being, emotional well-being. It can impact our physical health as well, our energy. So people go in search of naturopaths and pills and potions and not realize it could be the lounge that they're sitting on. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, definitely. And I think this is one of the things that is hard because children are most psychic between 0 to 10. And I think once we get past that age, kids generally, a lot of them can see auras. So when they're doing a drawing, they might draw the dog or cat as purple and pink and green. And, and the teacher would go, no, I'm sorry, the, no, the, your cat's black and white. And yeah. it's not that. And I think things are taught out of us. And also, if you are a little bit different or you see things a bit out of the norm, people would say, oh, there's something wrong with you or it's an overactive imagination and that kind of thing. It's, it seems to be things are opening up a lot more now. And I think the other thing when you were talking about this inner intelligence, I believe that we have previous lives. And I even believe now with what's been going on with COVID, the thing we need to think about is creating memories because you can't take that great house or the car or all your money or your rings or whatever it is you, you have but you can take your memories and your memory will go from this life to the next. And that's what you share. And then when you lose someone, again, that's what you keep in your soul. I know personally, one of my children, when he was little, he was terrified. If the curtains moved, he would be screaming. He would just, he was a really nervy child. And he used to tell me about the men in his rooms with their arms and legs missing and the nails in their head. And here I'm thinking this poor little two-year-old child's telling me this. And he was in the same room with his brother and his brother didn't see them. And then he went to school and it was his first Anzac day and he came home and he said, Mummy, I know who the men are, the men. And I said, what men? And he said, they're the soldiers. So he'd had this obsession with the soldiers for his whole life. It only stopped when he was 22. But what it was, we discovered when I was writing my book, Always With You, his past life found him or found me. And when I was looking at my grandfather, because my son said he was going to be a gunner and he was going to be a tradie and he, we had to go to every Anzac day service. No matter where we were, we had to go. And so it was Anzac Day and I was procrastinating. I decided I would Google the ancestry.com and I thought I'd look my grandfather up. Yeah. And my grandfather was in the Second World War and it wouldn't open, but the First World War would. This man kept jumping off and his name was Walter Ernest G. My grandfather's Bernard Ernest. So anyway, it kept jumping off the screen. And sometimes I think spirit does things where things will come to us and they'll pop into our thoughts. So anyway, I opened it up. And when I did, this man was born on my son's birthday, exactly 100 years before. He was discharged from the army on my birthday and he was a gunner. And everything that my son had told me about when he was little, that was him. And then I ended up tracking the man back. And out of all the soldiers in the entire world, this man was buried at Sutherland in an unmarked grave. But since he's had the hypnosis and gone back, it doesn't interest him anymore. It's like he knows who he was. So it's funny how things work. So did he find himself in the process? He did, he did, because he always said that he didn't ever want to let his mates down. And when he went through the hypnosis, because he always had these worries about not saving his mates and not remembering them and not looking after them. And when he went under the hypnosis, he actually remembered himself picking them up on the battlefield and, and saving other soldiers. And then we, I did a bit more research and he actually got a thing called Mentions in Dispatches, which is like the equivalent to the Victoria Cross, but in England. Yes. And he was seconded there. Those memories he had as a little boy it all made sense. So it was a wow. really strange... <laughs> Yeah, that's incredible. Now, you mentioned the obligation on us to hang on to memories. Yes. Good memories. 
Because I, I really love that because we can't take anything with us, but it's the energy we leave behind, the memories. Because I was actually thinking about this very thing the other day when I was updating my phone onto this new phone and I was taken aback as to how many photos that I have on my phone. And I started thinking, I'm going to go through and just pick out the best photos that, that I can hang on to and pass them on. And I just felt overwhelmed and I felt, how is the next generation going to remember me? What memories can I pass on? What good energy can I pass on for the legacy to live on? Is that important for us to do that? Yeah, I think it is important spiritually and and mentally. And I think, you know, when people become a spirit and they've passed over, they say to me that they want you to remember them. They want you to talk about them. Because sometimes when people lose someone, they hurt so much, they don't want to talk about them because it brings them pain. So that's why it's important to, you know, remember those wonderful times together and creating memories. We don't handwrite things very often anymore. We'll do an email, we'll send a text or something. But the art of handwriting is is becoming extinct when you think about it. But when you look back in time, a lot of the times that person's energy is on that letter. So when they write that letter or even if they wrote on the back of a photograph, but now we don't print our photographs out. So it's all like in our phone and with the blink of an eye, if if you didn't back it up properly, that whole lot of your life can be gone. So that's the sad part. We don't tend to print them. I think sometimes when we're losing a loved one, I try to encourage people to get them to write a letter to the living that will still be here so that they've got that impression. Or even if there's a card, a birthday card with their handwriting in it, their energy is imprinted into that. That's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I thought of something else as well. I thought maybe people who are listening right now can go back over the last few years and pick out some photos that elicits an emotional response, get it actually professionally printed and write on the back of it what that event meant to them, how they felt, what was happening. What a beautiful thing to leave for the next generation. Yeah, I really believe that's an important thing. And even when you look at paintings, I know when I, I went to Europe a few years ago and I went to the Louvre and that's where it really hit me because there's so many paintings there. Some of them are back to the, you know, 1600s, 1100s and those people are long gone. But when you look, people every day will go along and look at the walls and there's that memory store that that person created. So I think that whether we write something, even if grandma knitted a baby bonnet or if she knitted or crocheted a blanket, things that you've put your energy into. And I think that's the most important thing. Or it could even be a plant that someone struck somewhere and then they've passed on, but you take that piece of the plant and strike it and have it in your garden to remind you of your nana or your grandma. It's funny you should say that, yeah, because my father had this uh, fig tree and when him and mum, he's now passed, and when him and mum sold that property, we took grafts from that fig tree and we planted one in my home and one in my son's place and whenever we go past it we just say that's that's your grandfather's tree so it feels like we're a part of it yeah yeah definitely and it's amazing how these memories can happen it's even like when you smell something I feel everybody has their own smell things will come to me with the smell of that person but I I find too we might get the smell of grandma's baked dinner on Sunday afternoon or the Christmas roast those types of things because I find smells elicit memories and music are another thing. So I always find that music can take us back in time. So I went to see James Rain last year and it was funny, it took me back to when I was 14 years of age and I was at the beach and I listened to it on my radio with my girlfriend. So it's funny how a certain music or a song can take you back in time to happy times. 
And these are the things we need to create and take with us. Absolutely. So do you feel like because of our obsession with technology now and our inability to feel things or our reluctance to feel things, are we becoming less spiritual or are we becoming more spiritual? It's very interesting. I found the spirit world has actually used the technology in a lot of ways to get through, but I do see we are becoming disconnected in another way. I think in some ways the internet's a wonderful place where people can Google things but not always get the right stuff. With the new phones that we have now, spirits will come up on the phone. I have images that I've taken and sometimes people do it unwittingly, might take a picture of their family and then there's an orb in the background with Pop's face in it or I've got pictures of ghosts that come up or you get ectoplasm that comes up. So the cameras have changed, so they'll utilise technology that way. I've also seen that when someone's passed over that they can send text messages to their loved one on their anniversary, even though that person's been dead two years. So spirit can use it as a different way because as a being, we are an electrical being. And if I got what's called an EMF tester, it measures radiation. Also, it measures ghosts or spirit. And I find that when we do pass away, that we're still an electrical being. We don't have a body, but our soul can be measured through this electricity. My TV turned itself on at three o'clock in the morning and we could hear these kids laughing and, and talking and my children are all adults. And it was like, I don't know what's going on. And my husband said, did you turn the TV on? We're upstairs. And I said, no, but sometimes spirits can be around. And if I'm doing a reading, maybe they get a bit excited from the day before and think, oh, I'm, I'm going to be talking to my sister or whoever tomorrow. So they'll come to me. But I honestly feel that with the technology, spirits using other ways. So if we're not really going to be out there doing things in a physical level, they'll come through our computers when they, they can be around. They come, especially the big screen TVs. I've had experiences where images have come out of the television and into the lounge room. So it's not like poltergeist. Now, is that something that you yourself experience because you're in touch? Or is it something that anyone can experience? What does having the gift really mean? Yeah, and it's funny being called a gift. Sometimes you call it a curse. It's a bit of a fine line. I think the wonderful thing for me is just knowing that when we die, okay, our body dies, but our soul lives on. And also that our loved ones will go to great lengths to get to us, to tell us that they're okay and just say that we are all interconnected. I think the movie Interstellar is quite a good example of that there's this coexisting around us. Love that movie. <laughs> it just made so much sense in contact for me when I had a really vivid near-death experience. My daughter was one, my son was three, my other son was seven, and I had to have a major operation and I knew I was going to die. I was told I would die from spirit and I didn't tell the doctor. And they went to put me under and I said, I'm going to the light now. And they said, what? And they said, what do you mean? You're being a bit hormonal, are you? Do you? And I went, you know, I'm going to the light. And I said, so you need to keep an eye on me. And they said, oh, what, are you going to hang around? I said, I don't like the sight of blood. You just make sure you put me back together, okay? But afterwards I was on a morphine drip and I was allergic to morphine and I didn't know. And I did go. And through that, I came back with more abilities. So now I can see into the body. Sometimes if someone's got a blockage, I've had a client that I'd seen blockages in his heart and he didn't believe me anyway. He ended up, thank goodness that he got it checked out, but in the end, he ended up being okay. But he's now had four stints since then. I'll feel it in myself. How can people get in touch with their spirituality? How can people tap into it and why should they if you think it's also a curse as well it must feel like it's a curse when you have to work with the police because you're seeing things so is it a pandora's box you know for some people yeah definitely it can be a bit of a pandora's box because people can be frightened of me because they worry that i'm reading their minds and i'm not 
So they kind of they get a bit nervous. They go, you know what I'm thinking, don't you? And I go, I'm not tuning into you all the time. I'm not invading people's privacy. I think all of us should try and connect with our spiritual side in a positive way to use it as a positive sense, whether or not we're using it to find out, get a parking space. That's a common one that we all use you think oh you get a feeling that it's right so then you can get the parking space but someone will say it's your parking angel or you could think it's your dad in spirit who's guiding you and he and he probably is but it can be more a matter of if it feels right do it when you meet someone you shake their hand we can't really do that with COVID now but before I always used to say to people shake someone's hand and if they feel right then that yes and if it feels right in your heart or in your tummy then go ahead with it if you get this feeling of dread or feeling quite heavy and not feeling comfortable then don't proceed with it. And it could be about making a decision on a house, getting a loan, or whether you're making a decision of a business partner or something like that. The other side of it is too, we get symbology and I find we get a lot of repetitive symbols that will come up, like I said, 11-11, 2, 2, 2 or you might keep seeing a magpie somewhere or it could be a butterfly or it could be all different types of symbols. What does that mean? What is that like? My son told me the other day he sees 11-11 all the time. They're angel messages and they're like a repetitive message. So I, I used to get symbols all the time, the same symbol. So once I started to see that symbol, then I understand that's what that means. And I think we all get that type of recognition. So, for example, if I'm doing a reading and somebody's thinking of buying a house, this is the card that I've designed from that. So I might see a Monopoly board. And yes. so that's showing me that someone's looking at properties. And then I'm seeing the handshake. So that could mean, yes, that's going to go ahead or that there's a business deal going on. It's almost like for me, like little movie screens or little TV screens where I pick up energies or messages. I hear them as well. So I'll hear them and see them. It's like a bit of playing charades. So people can work with you one-on-one then. Yes. If they have a major decision in their life and they're not sure about it. Yes. Or something, they're getting mixed messages. Mm-hmm. Their head's telling them yes, their body's telling them no, and they want confirmation. Yeah, I have a lot of people that will come to me for those types of things. I have people with business decisions. It can be, is my boyfriend coming back? I think it's more a matter of people sometimes wanting to understand how to have their own connection to a loved one or even just you can enhance your own psychic ability. Somebody might be getting this feeling like there's someone there or they're hearing someone talking to them and they feel a bit nervous about it. But then if you're hearing guidance and it's a positive message and that's usually your guardian angel your spirit guide or a loved one in spirit guiding you. If you're hearing negative stuff and it's bad and it's making you feel bad about yourself, that's when you could have a negative energy around you or that's when it's not on a positive note. So then you might need to seek some help with that. Yeah, I call them energy vampires when I'm describing it to my wife. But it's true. That's exactly how it is. Yeah. uh, You know, we'll get invited to an event and I know certain people there ask, look, I don't really want to go. And she'll say, why not? My wife doesn't feel those things. My kids are very much like me. And she says, she just says, oh, you guys are highly sensitive. And I'll say, when I'm around them, I just feel my energy sap. And I've had massages in the past. There was one lady who was into Reiki and she said to me, you've got to be careful in protecting your energy. She said, you're a clear spirit, whatever that means. She said, things easily attached to you. So I protect that energy really diligently. For people that are listening now, if this stuff sounds familiar to you, don't dismiss it because, look, I'm a lawyer. I have a law firm. I'm not religious or I don't call myself spiritual or anything like that. But I definitely can relate to what Debbie's saying. I've experienced what she's saying. And my life started improving once I started listening to that inner intelligence or inner voice. Can you share with us, just for the sake of credibility, for those people that are listening, some of the cases that you've worked on with the police 
Yes, I've worked on the Claremont serial killings, Mr. Cruel, Backpacker Murders, Ravel Balmain. Oh, there's so many. Case? Yeah, that's how it all began. I worked on the Lynn Dawson case. I had to go to court earlier this year about that one. So tell us about the Lynn Dawson case then. Yeah, I was called in in 2003. I was out in the garden. I was doing some gardening. My husband was watching a repeat of the Australian story and they, it was called Looking for Lynn. And my husband said, oh, maybe you should have a look at this, Deb. You might be interested in it. And I came in and then once I did, I was saying she was missing, didn't know what had happened. And I started to see what's going on. So I rang the producers and just said, look, I might be able to help. And then they put me in contact with the family and then the police called me in. And so then I held a piece of jewellery and I uh, tuned in to see what had happened. And they did a recording of it in 2003. And then over the years, we've done a few searches and then the detective on the case he was put into a different division. We never really got to finalise that, but I, I always believed that she was on the property or close at the back of the property. My next question then is how do you know if you have a gift? I think it's always that gut feeling, that inner knowing. I call it our own spiritual GPS. And there are times like if you meet someone, you know whether you like them or not. And those gut feelings that we get when we can have dream state where we'll pick up messages. We might have a dream about something or a deja vu and then it actually happens. We should clarify that there are different types of psychic gifts, isn't it? There is, yes, definitely. So the psychic clairs, so clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, claircognizance is one that I didn't touch on. It's that light bulb moment that goes off. Sometimes you're thinking of something and suddenly the answer just pops into your head and you think, where did that come from? And then yeah. it's correct. And so <laughs> we all have that one. So the claircognizance is part of it. The empathy is that thing where we, we do pick up on others' emotions. So if we're in a negative environment, then we will feel negative. Or if we're in a happy environment, we'll feel happy. A lot of us are empaths and we want to help everybody. And you're very much one of those people where you see the good in everybody. But sometimes, and I'm the same, we see the good in everybody. But sometimes in the process of helping the birdie with the broken wing, the birdie gets the, the wing fixed and goes off into the distance. And then you're left trying to deal with the aftermath. So sometimes that's yeah. the hard thing. But being an empath, I'd rather be an empath than want to help people. I feel sometimes part of our time on earth here is, is of service. Yeah, it's just a hard thing. It's one thing too that I wanted to touch on when we talk about people passing or nearly passing. I know myself, I've had experiences with some of the police cases where I've had people themselves come after me because I've known too much. And I find that we have a point in our life and even with my near-death experiences or, or with an accident, I call it an entry or an exit point. You could be crossing the road and you just miss the car or you get hit by the car. You might pass or you might be in hospital, you re recover, but it's almost like it's like a, it's a fine line. It's almost like sliding doors where you, you could have that experience. So I do see we get have free will, you know, where sometimes we're almost there, but then there's a sort of a fork in the road of, about which direction you do take. So is uh, being psychic also related to being able to manifest visions in your mind? I call this out because... I have the ability to step into a future state sometime and imagine something so clearly, whether it's when we first, you know, came into this office and it was just blank canvas and I could see everything, the carpet, the, the furniture, the smiling faces. So when I walk through now, it's surreal because everything that was in my mind has manifested itself. And I've had that experience many times in relationships. When we launched our first Upgrade Your Life event, I stood up on stage and I looked out and I paused and I said, oh my God, I've actually manifested exactly what was in my mind for the last nine months. So there are people that you ever come across in life who have this ability to manifest what they want. 
whether it's property developers or architects, business leaders, or mothers and fathers or teachers, but then others that are keep hitting a brick wall, no matter how hard they try. And I meet these people and they're brilliant people and they're smart, but just somehow life keeps hitting them with obstacles and never quite make it. And then they become jaded and resentful. Is it because the former people that I spoke of, including myself and the latter, one's in touch with their psychic and their intelligence and the other one isn't? Or what's going on there? I think that's very true what you're saying. And I do think you're saying what you think you create. And I think sometimes if somebody's had a disappointment, they go, oh, that'll be right. You want, well, it's like something bad happens. It usually comes in the rule of threes. You say you three, get three bad things, you get three good things. If things are going really bad, you get six bad things. But I feel that it's, you've got to try and look at the positives. And, and I think definitely stepping in and feeling it and as though you've already experienced it, it does bring it into fruition. I do a vision board every year and I do it on my phone. And so we're on our phone all the time. So I use it as my screensaver. So every time I look at it, it's going to be there. And the middle of my screen has got infinite abundance. Because then I have enough of everything. It doesn't have to be lots and lots of money. It could be happiness, health, great friends, love, my family being happy. And abundance is enough of everything. And I think that's what we need to think about. Absolutely. I think that it's hard too because we're bombarded constantly. And this year has been one of them about how many people have died, especially when COVID was really bad. Everything was another death. And when everybody was so paranoid, no one wanted to go near anybody. It's been difficult because I've got a lot of clients in Victoria don't realize how much touch is important to someone until you can't have it people wanting to hug each other or even just shake someone's hand or hold someone the fear factor has been one of the biggest issues and about the negativity and about we're not going to have any money and everything's going to go bad and we're in a recession and i think it's more a matter of focusing on even just the small things and the things you can change because the whole world's going through whatever's happening at the moment but it's about you can still be in touch with people and i think it's about just trying to be mindful and look at the small things as well as the big. When I was in lockdown, the all of April when we were all in that, I did a little experiment. I called it 30 days of sky. So what I did every day, I took a photograph of the sky and it was really amazing the things it started to show. And it was like everyone's saying, but you can't go anywhere. It's, yeah, but we can always look up and it's free. And I started getting angel images on the clouds. I got meteor showers. I got rainbows. I just got all these amazing cloud formations and full moons. And I just thought we're just this little speck on this earth. And it's amazing. There's so many bigger things out there. It was a really spiritual time for me, actually, because it was connecting in a different way. And I didn't want to see the news anymore about all the negativity. I do believe in manifesting. I've been following a guy named Mike Dooley for the last seven, eight years. And he does a lot about the manifesting as well. And it's amazing. The thing is, we forget manifesting is free. It's something that we can all do. We all have the ability to do it, no matter where you are or what background you come from. You still have that opportunity. But if you're going to think negative thoughts and focus on, oh, that'll never happen to me or because I'm not a lucky person. Well, you've already told the universe you're not lucky. Or it's not going to happen. I think anything's possible. And if you can believe that it is, you can bring it into fruition. It's about that mindset. Belief is the biggest thing. Absolutely. What you just said reminded me of a gentleman I had on this podcast who's now a dear friend, Barry Nicolau, and he talks about manifesting all the time. So just a reminder for people to go back and listen to my podcast with him because I was getting goosebumps on that, like now listening to you about this area. Now, there are people listening to these podcasts that are religious. I'm a Catholic myself, so a lot of my family go to church on Sundays. So whatever your religious background, for those people that are listening that are religious, can we reconcile this area with religion and 
anyway. What would your message be to those people who are religious as well? I think it's more a matter of that we are all born spiritual beings and it's for our health and well-being and happiness. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But really, when you think about being connected with yourself or trying, you know, having a positive mindset, and a positive outlook on life, that's not really going against any religion in any way. But it, it is hard because I, I have had people say to me that only, say, the priest or a guru should be able to see things in spirit. Interesting, though, because I've had a lot of religious people that have come to me for a reading and they don't come about the religious side. They'll come more a matter of wanting to know, is it okay if they want to have connection with their loved one? And when you think about it, if you've lost someone and you love them, there's nothing wrong with still wanting to share that love with them, whether they're alive or whether they're in spirit. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's the thing. There's nothing wrong with that because love never dies. I always think it's never goodbye. It's until we meet again in the fact of the physical. But on the spiritual, your loved one will guide you from above. And I don't think that's a wrong thing. And it's funny, many people will go to church to pray for their loved ones. They want them to be okay. So really, when you think of it on a religious sense to a spiritual sense, it's still the same thing. I think it's more when people worry about the negative side of it and where people have seen ghost stories or worry about things like that. But if a loved one's in spirit, they're not going to do anything to hurt you. All they're going to do is let you know they're okay. And if sometimes people say that a loved one can't become an angel because only angels, that's on the, and there's so many levels to the different angelic realms, but to be more your um, ancestral angel because they're part of your ancestry. They're a loved one and they're still connected to you through time you've still got you know your dna and you still feel it's part of you i think that there's people who can be religious and spiritual and a lot of monks and i've had a lot of other people that are sikhs or hindu they're probably more connected to the spiritual or buddhists yes but i think it's more a matter of just being connected and just sharing the love because i know people have said i'm not of god because of what i do but i didn't choose this i was brought up a catholic and this happened to me i didn't go about to seek it something happened to me to make it happen you know what I mean? Yeah, I can relate to that. And that's why I can appreciate where you're coming from, because in Lebanon, they're deeply religious, but they're also very much spiritual and there's clairvoyance is very common. Something else they believe in is the evil eye. Does that have any weight in the psychic world? A lot of people do believe in that. And a lot of people ask me about that. I, again, think that's like a manifestation. If you believe someone's put the evil eye on you or they've put negative energy on you, in your thoughts and worry and fear of it, you're actually manifesting it into reality. Thinking about what you can change, not what you can't. But I know a lot of people have said, I think the evil eye is being put on me, can you lift it? For me, it doesn't have that energy, but certainly you can have people that can send negative energy towards you or be negative around you. Yes. I do think that we do absorb negative energy. Look, Mm. I try to white light myself every day. So I think putting a force field of positivity around me there's good and bad in life there's good and bad in spirit and just because we die we don't all get a set of wings and start playing the harp and become an angel (laughs) and i have experienced negative things with spirit i have seen in some of the haunted locations i was locked in maitland jail for a tv show in 1999 and i actually came out and i was physically attacked i had strangulation marks on my neck and it took me 18 months to get rid of that energy from me because i had brought something home because I was locked in there and the TV crew thought it was really funny, but when you're fearful, you can attract negativity. And I always think that light prevails over the darkness. So I think it's a matter of being positive and focusing on the positive side of your life. So what's the best way then that people can repel that negative energy and 
keep themselves in a state where there's like this energy force field around them. I believe through meditation, we can connect and bring that positivity in. It's weird. The way I white light is I have a shower every morning. So I imagine the water from the shower is my force field for the day. So it protects me from any negative energy. At the end of the day, I will have another shower. I wash anything that's attached to me or if there's any spirits that are hanging around and then I white light again. So say the spirit realms, we're here, the earth realms here, the negative ones are here and below. The positive ones are here and above. But I find the more we lift our vibration or try and be as positive and uplifted, the more our frequency is higher because when it is higher, it's the negative energies don't seem to attach to us as much. And I'm guessing that love then is that frequency, isn't it? When everything you do is motivated by love, that's what keeps your frequency at that level, I'm guessing, yeah? It does. And I think about being as peaceful as possible. Sometimes when we feel stressed and people can't always just sit and do a meditation, sit cross-legged and think, okay, I've got half an hour. Because then I'm one of those people that I would start thinking I have to do the washing or I've got to do stuff around the house. Or if I go to the gym, I can do it because I find moving meditations better for me. So I mean, I'm actually doing something or you could go for a walk with the dog or just get outside in nature. Sometimes gardening is a good way to dispel any stress or negativity because you're grounding yourself. So any negativity is going back into the earth. When I feel like my body's inflamed with negative energy either because I've eaten foods that have made me angry because some foods can make you angry because they inflame your microbiome, which is connected to your first brain through the vagus nerve. I go to the ocean and I swim and the salt water just it feels like it rubs off all these imprints, if you like. <laughs> you called them imprints earlier. It feels like it's an eraser for everything. Most definitely. I paddleboard and I love doing that. And it's, it's so peaceful. And just when I get out in the water, I, I do feel that way. I used to love scuba diving. That was one of my um, big things. But I had a diving accident, so I had to stop doing that. But I definitely feel the water is a great conductor. And it, especially salt water, it's very clearing. But if you can't get to the water, just getting outside, sit out on the grass or under a tree or do some gardening. I find just getting outside and reconnecting because also we've got so much electronic energy around us. Yes. Sometimes we need to have that time and space. And like I said, you know, like I did in April, look up, look at the clouds, look at the sky, just see what's above you and around you. Listen to the birds or listen to the breeze. When we look at that, you just think about what colours are around you, what scents are around you. The one thing I found was really interesting when we were in COVID, I got outside and I started doing a veggie garden and it was interesting because the birds and the bees and the animals didn't know anything different. We're all running around like ants crazily, yes. freaking out. And the birds were still chirping and the bees were still buzzing around the flowers and the butterflies were there. And it was like only we as human creatures were the only things that were really affected. The rest of the world was carrying on like nothing had happened. That's right. Wow, I never thought of that. <laughs> and my next question is, on a few occasions, I'll say, oh, your aura is this colour. If I'm lying down meditating or just daydreaming, I'd close my eyes and I'd see that colour right in the middle there between the eyes. Is that a thing? Do different colours mean different things? Yes, definitely different colours do mean different things. And what you're experiencing when you were seeing that, that's your third eye, you were opening up and that was starting to give you clairvoyance or showing you that you could see things. Also, our bodies resonate um, with, with chakras. And we've got the aura. So the aura is on the outside. So there's the seven ethereal bodies. And then we've got the seven colors of the chakras and they're the rainbow colors. 
And so when things are out of alignment, sometimes the colours will be an indication or you might find you're wearing a certain colour. You might wear black and you feel really heavy or other days you wear black and you feel like you're not being seen. Or you might wear red and you think, oh, that's your power colour. So right, right. make you feel a certain way. Another right. area which I discovered by accident, I suffer very badly from migraines and I think it's probably part of all the work I do, but I can't shut it off and I've had to have quite a few MRIs. And I had one last year and when they beamed the sounds through me, I actually saw colours then. So they have all these different frequencies. But then I looked it up and when I spoke to the guy afterwards, he said, that doesn't happen with people. And I see you have the same thing when you have a massage. You would be feeling the colours and sometimes you'll get like these flashes. And what that can also relate to a condition called synesthesia. The synesthesia is a thing. They say it's a confusion of the brain, but I feel is a gift. My son's a paints by music and by colour. So when he hears a sound, the colour resonates and he puts it on the canvas. But sometimes you might listen to music and when you listen to music, you might feel that feels like that's a blue song or it's a pink song or it's a yellow happy song or different parts of the melody give you different colours. So it'd be yeah. interesting for you to even see that because I feel you have that gift. So colours resonate that way. The other area with the synesthesia, people might see colours and they might taste something. So there's a couple of different forms of that. It's a bit like those old 3D pictures that people used to see. You'd look at it and it might be all little colours, but then someone sees a dog there. So that's another form. But you know, when you talk about colours, they're very important to us. And I do think that they resonate. One thing that I wanted to say to you too, this was, I found this out the other day, which is really interesting. I did a reading for a lady who was blind. She's been blind since birth, but she sees colours and she sees, but she only sees through her third eye. But physically she can't see. And I found how interesting it is when your psychic senses are working. And a lot of people, whether they're deaf or they're blind, they have other parts of their senses activated. Yes. She was saying to me that she knew what the colour blue was or the colour yellow, but she could see, but only through the third eye, not through her physical eyes. Wow, that's saying something, isn't it? So <laughs> it's something I never even thought about. And I thought, when you think about it, because how do we see through our third eye, really? But it's there and it happens to so many people. It's just another part of our brain. So you wonder what all those other parts up there are doing and whether there's memories stored up there, feelings, sensations, past lives. You wonder about all of those experiences. Is it in our DNA? Does it come from our loved ones or our ancestors? And it, does part of that come through to us in this life? There's so many questions out there, really. Absolutely. And I can't help but feel also there's a convergence between science and the field of spirituality because there's no coincidence that the third eye is where the pineal gland is located. I'm hoping that this conversation will ignite some curiosity for people who can relate to any one of those stories that we went through. No doubt it's going to inspire a lot of discussion and feedback. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on this podcast. We feel humbled. <laughs> so do I. It's so, it's, it's so fun. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a real pleasure. Excellent. And for everyone that's listening, we'll include a link in the description to Debbie's website. And until next time, my friends, live consciously.